You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got another Wisconsinite. His name is Ethan Sullivan, and we're going to talk about all sorts of outdoor activities in America's Dairyland. Now, I'm going to give him a chance, just like I've been giving a lot of different people chances to convert me into a diehard turkey hunter. This guy is so pumped. He's probably the most excited about turkey hunting out of anybody I've talked to yet, so we're going to see how that goes. But lots of good content coming your way. Let's jump right in. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys. So I know that last year was kind of a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. But that's why we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Now, Go Wild is a free social community that was built by outdoors men and women just like me and you. Not only are your photos not censored on Go Wild, they're actually encouraged. And they give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards, free swag, knives, Huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Check this out, though. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, guys. Welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show is another fellow Wisconsinite. Of course, I'm kind of a trader. I moved out, but he still lives there. Ethan Sullivan, what's going on, man? Hey, man. How's it going? It's going pretty good. It's windy and cold, typical Wisconsin what spring weather. I mean, I don't know what Missouri's like anymore, but man, it's been you know. I got back from Texas uh two days ago now and it was like seventy five degrees when I got back. 
which I left in like the 40s. And so oh, coming wow. back, I was like, man, maybe I brought some Texas weather back up with me. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I don't care yeah, for the yeah, heat that Yeah, I seen that, that you guys were out on the hog hunt. That's pretty cool, man. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, like we we chatted a little bit before the recording and. I'm telling you, I'm going to have to get like a whole, I'm going to put out an invite to all the listeners to former guests. Maybe I'll open it up to guests on the podcast first and then try to get like an awesome weekend where we go down there and just get on hogs left and right. I think it would be a ton of fun. Dude, that'd be, that'd be awesome. You're going to get me in trouble with the wife. She sees this. She's, <laughs> we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> Man, we'll just, we'll just plan it out. Like we find people to do childcare. We'll send the wives to Florida and then we'll get on to Texas and they won't even think twice about us being there. Look at you being, that's why you're the brains of the operation. <laughs> right on. Here we go. I know. Keep, keep her happy. It means I get to go on more hunting trips. That's just, yes, that's sir. a recipe for success right there. Yes, sir. Well, man, why don't you uh, why don't you start out by sharing with the listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe some hunting history, kind of what you're interested in in the outdoor world. Okay, well, uh, so I, I born and raised in Wisconsin, uh, been a part of the Orange Army pretty much ever since I could hold a firearm at twelve. Um, we went out and we did the deer drives and we sit there in frigid cold and this is fun as you got icicles hanging off of you, you know? <laughs> and, um, then, and then, uh, my dad started taking me out small game hunting. We'd go out squirrel hunting and stuff. And, and I remember it. Oh, I don't even remember how old I was. I just remember doing it. I shot my first squirrel, man. I about turned inside out. <laughs> and I couldn't, I was so excited. I was hooked after that. So I, I'd walk around the woods carrying a BB gun I'd take a couple pop cans with me and hang them up on limbs, you know, and that's, yep. that's how I got started in hunting. And then, um, my second year of, I got skunked my first year, my second year, I shot my first eight point buck and, um, really got into that. And then, and then for Christmas, I was in, in just barely in high school. I got my first bow. Well, that was a problem because I've been a bow hunting addict ever since. <laughs> and, uh, been doing a lot of deer management, a lot of pre-scouting and just trying to get, it's like, a, it's like a giant chess game for me anymore. It's grown and evolved as I've grown up. And now it's, it's turned into, I can't wait to get my kids out and have them have their first experiences and stuff like that. And I, I still turkey hunt in the spring. I, I go after them pretty hard. I rabbit hunt in the winter and, and I love chasing walleyes in the spring. So that's, that's a good time. Man, that's awesome. I, I mean, I can relate on so many levels. I feel like a lot of Wisconsin hunters have a similar story. You know, the Orange Army is kind of our introduction, which is funny. You get, like, thrown into one of the largest, like, gun-carrying groups on the planet uh, as a young kid. But when you grow up around it, I mean, I remember, like, being four or five years old, and I would wake up opening day with my parents. They'd be telling me to go get them hand warmers, open them up, shake them for them. And I never got to go with at that age, but it was like just the anticipation of like, man, one year, one year, I'm going to be able to go out and do this. And then as soon as it came, like, there's no turning back. You're, you're just hooked for life. And so, oh, dude, I remember my mom coming in, waking me up, getting me ready for school. And first thing out of my mouth was, did you get one? Yep. And man, them mornings when she'd tell me she'd get one, I just, I was so mad I had to go to school. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. When, yeah. When they come back with one, I mean, I remember we would hang them on the clothesline, like, uh, the T that came up for the clothesline, we'd hang them on that or they would just show up with them in whatever vehicle we had at the time. That's the funny part. 
people don't realize, like, they think, oh, deer hunter, it's going to be in the bed of a pickup truck. You will see deer on literally every type of vehicle if you drive around in Wisconsin during that nine-day oh, yeah. season. Like, it doesn't – you could have a Tesla, and there's got to be somebody that's got a deer on the back of a Tesla at some point throughout the season. I haven't seen a Tesla, but, man, I ain't kidding. If I'd have had my camera in time, I seen one come up on a Prius. I ain't even kidding. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, people – I mean – that's just part of it. People would drive around, show them off, or if it wasn't a pickup truck, you'd have the tailgate down so everybody could see what you shot. And yeah. it's just the culture up there. It's it's amazing, and there's no place. I mean, I'm sure other states have their own version of that, but there's no place yeah. like it. Dude, the one thing I do miss, though, is going to the tavern and registering deer and doing stuff like that. Like Everything here now is online. You can you can register everything yeah. online. So I mean, the, the camaraderie is still there, but you know you have that when you wouldn't you'd go into the tavern, you wouldn't say nothing. You go grab your slip, and they'd see you check buck, and then everybody was going to the truck. You know, dude. What I, mean? I don't know if you heard on this on this episode. I don't remember who I was talking to, but I said I am going to start a movement where we bring back check stations. I have talked to so many people that are like, dude, I miss going. And like, you just, they got the Polaroid camera and they snap your picture and tack it up on the, on the board. And they've got a weigh station in the back. If you want to check your, check your weight, or, you know, sometimes you could like say, Hey, this is how much I think it is. Put your, basically do a little betting on it. Mm -hmm. Like, Hey, if you're within five pounds of the weight, you know, you get a soda or something like that. Like there was so many cool, um, competitions like you said the camaraderie the fellowship just everybody gathering around a tailgate at the gas station and now i just don't see it anymore it used to be like as soon as as soon as the sun went down you know as soon as legal shooting hours were up you'd be driving over to the corner store or the or the bar or the restaurant or whatever it was that had the check station in your area and everybody would be there walking around sharing stories. Yeah. And, and you knew if someone was late that something good was caught or exactly. something happened, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're looking around and you're like, man, where is he at? And then sure enough, he pulls up late and everybody flocks to the back of his truck. Oh my yeah. gosh. I just think that would be cool. I understand um, as far as like gathering numbers and stuff like that on the DNR side of it, there's, I, I'm sure there's plenty of benefits. They wouldn't just switch to all electronic for no reason, but right. the camaraderie of it, oh, if it, if we can't convince the DNR to bring back check stations, we just need to convince more businesses, more small businesses to open up big buck pools, uh, way stations, anything like that, or Give people 10% off if they show up with a dead deer, you know? Right, right, yeah, for sure. Or like uh, I know some small mom-and-pop stories here, you know, you bring in a deer and and you bring your hide in, you get a pack of gloves. Yeah, yeah, you do something like that. I'm really hoping one day in in my podcast studio right now I'm just up, basically in an attic i've got a black sheet hung behind me and i i just bought some sound dampeners but i'm really hoping one day to have enough deer hides or furs of other kinds to where that is my entire sound dampener for the whole studio oh that'd be so cool man yeah i'm that's that's my goal i've been keeping all my coyote uh furs and um i'm gonna start doing the same thing with all my deer hides so 
I, Pretty soon you're going to have to save you up some turkey feathers and hang behind you too. Okay, so I will I'll send you a picture after this. All of my mounts currently are over at my buddy's house and I made a whole turkey wall. Um, they've got all the beards and fans except oh dude, one of the dogs got a hold of one of the turkey beards the other day and oh. yeah, it wasn't up on the wall. We had a couple of them that were just like we were going to dip in wax, you know, to keep them all together. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and we look over and this turkey beard was just shredded. Well, I had one that was, it's the unofficial state record beard length. And it, I was like, dude, it better not be that one. It better not be that one. Sure enough. It was not, oh, no. he found No, he found mine, but I don't, I think it was my buddy Drew's and he, so one year in, sorry for the listeners who have heard this a million times. We shot two birds. He his beat the state record by like uh, a quarter of an inch. Mine beat it by three eighths of an inch, and we didn't we didn't know that we had beat the record at all. I mean, we I didn't know what the state record was because I had never paid attention to it until the following year. I was looking up the state record for weight, and I came across the numbers for everything else: spur length and beard length and all of that. And I discovered oh, yeah. that we had both shot birds the previous year that would have beat the state record. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, I hope it wasn't his. I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't looked too hard to find out what what turkey that actually came off of. But man, I, my heart would have broke. I'd have been. I don't know if I'd have been mad or if I'd have been crying. I was. That's 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 rough. I don't. <clears throat> I don't mess with dogs. Like. I love dogs, but if a dog is not well behaved, it drives me crazy. I'm like, just take that sucker out back. Like it's, it's worthless. Like I, I love when dogs are well trained and dogs that just chew stuff up. If they, if they beg at the table, if they just don't listen, if they flat out like ignore you, it, I'm like, dude, this, this animal is for us. It shouldn't be a hindrance. It shouldn't be a problem. Right. Like it should right. benefit us in some way. The one that really gets me that'll like, it, like I don't care is when you see the dog now going down the road and you holler for him, they stop and look at you and then they kick it into a higher gear and run away. From oh you. dude, nothing makes me more mad. I had dogs like that. I've had plenty of them and oh. I, yeah, I, okay. I'll, I'll go into a quick story. So I don't know if I've shared this one on the podcast yet, but there's a guy that lived close by and his actual name was Charlie Brown and Charlie, he lived about a mile away. Well, my wife and I, we went up to Kansas city for our anniversary and we're in Kansas city. My dad was in town. So he was watching my dogs. Well, my dogs, they would either be in an enclosed fence, like in the backyard or in the house all the time. And yeah. one day, um, I, so I had a black lab that was, that was my waterfowl dog. Absolutely loved it. I mean, it wasn't like some crazy awesome dog that would stop at 200 yards if you blew the whistle and you could cast it, but it would go and pick up birds, right? I wanted a dog that would be more of a protector for the property. And so I found, um, it was an Akita, no, what was it? Oh, sorry. It was like a bull mastiff Akita mix or something like that. It was a huge dog. And I went and got it and 
that people were like, oh, it's awesome. You know, they're telling me about the dog. They said, you know, it, it does like to get out every now and then, but it'll come back to its name. So we pick it up, get it home. I'm trying to work with it. The dog has no idea what its name is. I mean, I'm yelling for this thing out in the middle of a field, and it is completely clueless. It's just running around, and I'm like, I'm never going to get this dog back. This is day one. What have I done? So anyways, <laughs> I end up – I end up. Uh, it, it runs off and I'm like, dude, I don't, I can't even get back there. It's barbed wire and stuff. It like, it's the neighbor's property. And so I was like, all right, well, if it comes back, it comes back. If not, I mean, I don't know what to do. And right. it did, it ended up coming back that night. I woke up and it was at the back door. And so, um, I was like, all right, at least I know it's smart enough to come back. Well, down the road, my wife and I go up to KC for our anniversary and I get a call from my dad. And he goes, uh, uh, I don't know where your dogs are. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know where they are? Oh, well, I let them out, and then they took off running. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Well, Coda was the bull mastiff Akita mix, and he was the one that wouldn't listen. My dog, Rudy, who was the waterfowl dog, he would typically listen. Now that there was a second dog there that had no regard for humans, he just followed. And so they both took off. So my dad's looking around for him. I He calls me back later. Oh, hey, uh, yeah, I, I kept looking, couldn't find them. I'm going to see if they come back. Well, I get a call at this point from my neighbor, Charlie Brown. And uh, I didn't see it when it first came in, so I listened to the voicemail. And it's Charlie telling me that um, that he's got the dogs up at his place. So I call my dad, and I'm like, hey, you need to go up and get the dogs from Charlie's place. And he's like, yeah, I'll go look for them in a minute. I'm like, you don't have to look for them. They are up there. You got to go get them. Then I get another call back from my dad and he's laughing. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> he's like, oh, it was like a nervous laugh too. So I knew something was up and he, he kind of like chuckles. He's like, uh, you, you might want to call Charlie. And I'm like, okay, why? He goes, well, the dogs ate all his chickens. And I'm like, wait, oh, what? No. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? He's like, yeah, you need to call him. And he's like laughing still. I'm like, I'm glad you think this is funny. I don't think this is funny. These dogs were your yeah. responsibility this weekend. We were only gone for a couple days, and you let him go and eat his chickens. So I called Charlie, and he didn't care at all. He was laughing about it, and he's like, oh, I hated those chickens. You did me a favor. The only reason we kept them was for my <laughs> wife. And so I was like, oh, at least I was like, Either way, let me know what I owe you for them. I'll come give you a hand around the property. I'll pay you for them, whatever. And he's like, you don't owe me a thing. So all that to say, that just grew my hate for dogs that don't listen and that that are untrained. Yeah. Yeah. Touche, man. I agree with that. We've I've had a couple that are headaches too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like everybody has. They say that you get one good dog, like one truly good dog in your life. And I'm hoping that one's coming. I actually just put a deposit on a dog up in Montana. The litter isn't born yet, but it's a guy who trains, he breeds and trains British Labradors. And so I've oh, got nice. pick of the litter. I'm hoping to get a, a male red lab. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I'm going to, dude, he, come on. You're going to get, you're going to get a Fox red <clears throat> dude. And you went hog hunting out of a helicopter. Dude, like, what it is, is going on? I here? know. Right. It, I he sent me pictures of of the male and female from two litters that are going to be coming this summer, and 
when I saw that red, my first dog ever was a red lab and it was, it was completely untrained, but its name was rusty. And I just remember like in my mind, I can still see that dog. I was just a kid. Like it, that dog was probably gone before I could walk, but I just remember in my mind, this dog. And I was like, man, I've got to have one again at some point in my life. And so, yep. Going to get a red. Right on, man. Well, we'll see. If if they have a male red out of that litter, I'm going to pick one up. But if not, we're going to go with a yellow. And uh, either way, I'm pumped to have a dog that is professionally trained go right? out with it. It listens. It does what I tell it to. And oh, and just man. to have it on trips with me. Like right? on a nine-hour road trip to Texas that I just got done doing, it would have been so awesome to have my dog sitting in the passenger seat. Oh, right. For sure. For sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. So you – I mean – Looking at the wall, obviously the listeners can't see it, but looking at the wall behind you, you've got some studs back there. You've got an elk and three really nice whitetails. Um, I appreciate it, man. Thanks. You, you uh, I'm guessing the elk, I mean, that's not in Wisconsin probably, but those deer, those were all there locally? Yeah, they're all off my family farm right by Toma. Um, nice. There's two more euros right up above me my wife's got her first buck and i've got my biggest rifle buck there but yeah um they're all three bow kills they were all on 120 acre property and then the the elk is the elk i shot this last fall out in colorado that you and i were emailing back and forth about oh yeah man that is that's so sweet yeah we were we were out there both second rifle and we weren't that far from each other um, no, you were about an hour and a half north, I think, an hour, two hours north. Yeah, but yeah, you had some success there. We did not. We we kind of struck out, but uh, my other buddies they had quite a bit of of success. I just, man, there's something about traveling and hunting. I don't know what it is. Like I, I've always enjoyed having a place where I could like walk outside and go and hunt. But when you actually like leave, when you when you stay the night somewhere, there's something. There's a totally different feel about it. Oh, yeah. You want to, like, you get out of your, you jump in your truck and you go down the road a little ways or you jump in the four-wheeler, you go up and you sit in the deer stand. It's almost repetitive. Same old, same old, you know? Yep. And you're waiting for something that you've you've hoped and dreamed of for and that. But you go out west or you travel quite a ways and you get out there and you set up your camp and you do a day or two of scouting and then, you you know, you strike a bull and you see him. It's just that I, I agree completely. It was, it was completely eye-opening, especially coming from small town, Wisconsin. Yeah. And having this hope and dream of going out and doing that. And then you see your first wild bull elk. And I was like, I, I was done. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I can sit at the campsite. Now I seen a bull in Colorado in the Rockies. I'm we're aces. Yeah, dude. It, there's something, there really is something just totally different about it. And when you like, I mean, when you've been gearing up for it or thinking about it for a long time, um, I just wish more people knew. Like, these opportunities are out there. And I think with social media and with podcasts and TV shows, like, these opportunities are becoming more um, available or people people realize how available they are. But, yeah, man, I wish I would have known early on. I wish I would have known in my teens about opportunities out west. And I would have oh, been putting in man. for points way back then. I'm, I'm looking at right. it, I'm like, dude, I could have like 18 points right now or more. If I would have started at 15, if I would have known about this stuff, I would have been putting in and, yeah, 
I'd be I'd be ready to go kill a bighorn or a moose or you know have my pick of most most units out there with my bow. Right, right. Speaking of opportunities, now I'm we'll go back to the the elk hunting stuff. I was blessed. Okay, now this is just this is the end of the whole works. There's there's quite a rigmarole of stories that led up to this. So again, so it was it was my dad and I that went out by ourselves, and um, I was day two. The lower CV or the lower unit on my on my front tire let go on my four wheeler. We only had one four wheeler out there. We were about a mile away from the truck, and the CV axle slipped out. So right there, I'm like, cool. Here we go. <laughs> um, we got out there and got ready to get set up and everything. And then we got up there late and then it snowed like eight inches. And uh, long story short, we got everything all set up. We started hunting first day. We didn't see anything. We actually bumped into these guys from Kansas. And if it was not for that group of guys, I would not have been able to have the experience I had with my dad. And I would, I doubt I'd have been able to get a bull. Um, we actually were sitting up on a ridge glassing and looking. And all of a sudden we looked down at 400 yards and, and there's two satellite, three satellite bulls walking right toward us. Damn. And I was like, no way, you know, like, this is awesome. And and he's on the radio talking to his son and saying, I, Hey, I think I'm going to shoot this bull. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to touch an elk. Like, this is so awesome. Right. Yeah. And uh, so he's got his rifle up on, on the tripod and, and uh, he turns around and he's looking at it and he's looking at me and I'm like, what are you, he's over there, concentrate over there. Like, don't worry about me. I'm good. Yeah. And then he turns around and he goes, you want to shoot it? And I'm like, what, <laughs> how far away is it? He's like, oh, it's only 420 yards. I'm like, dude, you're on something. Cause I, I am not, I'm sighted in for 200 yards. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And he goes, no, he goes, you can use my gun. What? Yeah. Yeah. Met this guy. I bet I'd known him for a day and a half. And I probably said six words to him. The generosity that he gave to me and, and to my dad to get us around and show us around. I mean, my dad seen a moose, his first ever wild moose and a cougar. Dang. And uh man, we I mean the the hunting techniques they had, and he was calling me two weeks ago wanting to know if I was going back out again. Like they were so for getting us out there and having a good time. And yeah, I, I took his rifle and then I squeezed off two rounds and he tipped over and I realized that 420 yard shot was pretty awesome. But the mile and a half pack out, I had a reckoning with the good Lord. <laughs> oh yeah. The, the trigger squeeze is always fun. The realization of what's about to come after that that gets that'll sober you up pretty quick yes sir yes sir it was it was really awesome and then it was really really cool getting down to them and everything and you know and how thick their hide was that's what blew me away oh I yeah mean, i i couldn't get over that and then we started packing and then i had to contemplate my life choices <laughs> yep the, those those full bag pack outs man they will they will make a man out of anybody. You're going to find out how much quit you have in you trying to pack something, especially if you shoot one downhill and then have oh, to yeah. pack it back uphill. 
Um, yeah. Wow, what a cool deal. So he let you do that. Did did he go down there with you then and and well, help? So his so there was three bulls. One one wasn't legal, and then the other two were legal. And when I shot, mine tipped over. His son actually shot the top bull. So we didn't have one. We had two bulls to pack out. Oh, dang. And there was all together with my dad and I with them, there were six guys in the group. And so he he went down, his uncle went down, and then his son went down and I went down. My dad and, and another guy stayed up just to stay with the four-wheelers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so with, with, with us going down there, we had – two bulls packed out in five and a half hours. Dang. Yeah. It was a day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll, it takes a long time. I mean, even just the quartering process, like not counting boning the meat out. If you bone the meat out, like if you're way back in there, that takes even longer. Um, having to, having to be careful to keep evidence of sex on one of the quarters, you know, like, right there's just so much that goes into it where we had to, we had to do some of that stuff. Actually, it was another group of uh, non-resident guys from California and they had our number and every night we would go up to the top of this mountain on the side-by-sides and the four wheelers to check for cell service and, and like to call our wives back home or, or FaceTime the kids or whatever. And we got up there and these guys had called us and texted us multiple times that they had a bull down way in the back. And so we went back in there. It was like, I don't think we got to them until like 1030 or 1130 at night. And then we still had to, uh, they had it mostly quartered up at that point. We helped them finish. And then we came, we helped them hike it all the way back up, man. But when, when you get in, when you get in with other people, uh, especially other out of state people, I feel like they're pretty awesome. I mean, like, I haven't had any bad encounters with other non-residents in Colorado. Oh, yeah. See, I, you know, and that was one thing I was expecting, honestly, was for people to be kind of kept to themselves and, you know, like like public hunting around here, nobody talks about nothing because you don't give your spots away. No. You know, and out there, they were opening day. We had, we had fo- found some bull tracks and we were kind of moseying around and I went on a hike. We didn't find no elk. We were looking, 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 and we didn't see nothing. Well, we got to be the end of the day. And we're like, okay, this is enough of this. Let's go back, start a campfire, and, and fry some eggs and sausage up and call it a day. Well, they come down, and uh, they've got a – they had a five-by-six that they had shot. And nice. I, I was just, dude, blown away. I'm <laughs> like, that is a big animal. Like, holy smokes, <laughs> right? And so I, I went and grabbed them all a beer. I'm like, you know, let's celebrate, you know, that they acted like it was no big deal. You know, they just, it was what it was. And then one of them come back up later and he goes, we wanted to invite you guys out tomorrow. You want to come hunting with us? And I was just floored. I was like, I suppose I ain't got nothing to offer you other than a strong back. So I guess we'll give her a whirl. Yeah. (laughs) Man, how, yeah, that's just awesome. I love, I love the hospitality of hunters like that. I mean, we, some, some people in Colorado don't care for when I stop and talk to others. Like, but if there's other hunters passing on a four wheeler, I'll stop and chat with them. If I'm driving around or if I'm looking around or if I see anybody, typically I try to make friends with them. I talk to them. I'm not going to give them all the secrets away, but 
like all all the guys that I hunt with, they're all about getting first timers a, a bull or a cow or you know just an opportunity to see one or pull the trigger. So, yeah, yeah, no, that was that was really humbling to me, and it gave me faith in in the fact that you know the the traditional hunter is not dead, you know. Oh yeah. No, there's plenty, there's plenty of good guys out there and there's a few, few bad ones that, you know, seem to give everybody a bad name, but for the most part, once you meet people in person face to face, they're pretty cool. And even if they're standoffish at first, uh, you, we're all out there for the same reason. We all love the same thing. So why not get along? So, so that was your bull. Uh, are, are you going back this year? Dude, I want to so bad, so bad. I, I mean it, it. But we are definitely doing next year. I can't do this year. Okay. So yeah, I, I want to, but the, the wife's telling me that we're we're taking our late honeymoon and we're going to be going to Ireland this next year. Oh, so dang! Are gonna, yeah, yeah. Hey, that'll be fun though. I don't know what kind of yeah, hunting well, opportunities sure. Ireland has to offer. I think they run. They run like whippets and greyhounds for rabbits out there. That's something I've always been interested in doing. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. So so what they'll do, I want to say it's Ireland. Um, I might be wrong on that. But what they'll do is they'll take like um, almost snow fencing or netting and they'll stake out around this area where there's just rabbit holes all over in the side of a hill or up on a flat area. And then they take ferrets. They've got pet ferrets that they bring out and they they let them go down in these holes Well, the ferrets will go out and chase the rabbits out and the rabbits pop out of the holes and take off running. And they've got greyhounds and whippets that take off and they'll go catch the rabbits. And so they literally don't even have guns or anything. They just use a ferret and a dog to go and catch a bunch of rabbits. No and then, way. Yeah. And then they've got that netting up on the edges in case the rabbits get away from the dog or they pop out and the dog doesn't see it right away. Yeah, they'll run straight into that netting so they can't get away. Yeah, it's well, it's sweet, man. That's on my bucket list. I want to check it out, and I'm pretty sure it's in Ireland. Well, now I'm going to have to go do it because you already are getting a Fox Red Lab and you went shooting hogs out of a helicopter. I got to get <laughs> one up on you. Yeah, dude. If you do, send me some pictures and videos, man. That'll be That'll be a cool deal. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, we're, we're pretty excited. We've been saving up for that for quite a while. So yeah. Uh, Next year for sure though. Next year, getting back out there. Yeah. That's Colorado, man. It's got a special place in my heart now. And I've got people that are like, Oh dude, you should come out to, to Utah or Montana or Wyoming or whatever. But like, there's something about the camaraderie of the guys that I hunt with. I absolutely love it. And I'm sure I could build that with another group of people in a different state, but I, I just would have a hard time if it fell in the same time frame to give up that group of guys right. and that elk camp for a new one. Um, what What's it like well, up there? There's... No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, like being when, when dad and I went out in the mountains, it, I mean, I've known my dad, grew up with my dad my whole entire life. And so there's something about being up in the mountains and it, it'll bring you closer. Yep. And just, I mean, the, the adverse scenarios we had of Jimmy rigging a four wheeler together to <laughs> taking two and a half days to get a tent set up because we kept getting dumped on with snow. And, you know, like I, I hear you, man, like, you know, you almost, you almost, uh, 
feel like you're meeting up with long lost family going out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, you definitely do. It's, it's just cool to be in that scenario to be kind of unplugged. I mean, some of the places that we've camped in the past have had cell service, but I love when you get to a spot where you don't, where it's just like, there's no distraction from the outside world. Like you're fully present in that moment. And, uh, even when I do have cell service, I typically put my phone on airplane and keep it tucked away somewhere. But, um, what's, what is uh, deer camp like up in Wisconsin for you? I love hearing different deer camp stories because it, oh, it unless man. you've been there, unless you've experienced it, like you keep you've you've referenced your family farm a couple times, and when you just hear yeah. like oh the old family farm, it's just like you know there's so many stories and so much history tied into it. Oh man, so I, as far as I can remember, there's always been this big blue pot full of chili every morning. Opening morning, everybody goes to their same spot they've gone to forever and ever and ever. Um, and it's it's so funny because I've got a cousin that you can almost time him. His his clock never changes. He'll, he'll get out there and come 1030. He's got to go back to the house. <laughs> he's, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's pretty awesome. But there's, it's, uh. I guess the only thing that, that changes from time to time is how many people go out. Like, I mean, I've got my kids growing up now and everything, but um, so we, we, we've always got a big pot of chili going on. We've always got, if, if you can tell anymore, if one person shoots, you can tell who it was by the sound of the rifle. That yep. sounds crazy. No, you can't. I totally, I totally understand that. And uh, so we've got we've got a telephone pole up in the trusses in the shed, and that's where we hang our deer up at. And uh, so when we at the end of the day, we always all get together. We get our pictures taken with them, and and do all that stuff and everything. But the night before is sitting around at my mom and dad's, and you remember them old um, what are they monster buck DVDs? Them oh old yeah, VHS tapes and everything. We all pile around. Everybody's got orange hat on or their bibs on or something, and we're hanging around eating supper and we watch them videos until we're blue in the face. Yep. And then, of course, the thirty point buck. You got to listen to that. You always listen to the thirty point buck. Yep. Yeah, we listen to that on the way out to the field every day, or on the way out to the woods every day. So like it, oh, nice. it'll be like four thirty in the morning or whatever time we're we're driving over and we've just got that thing playing. Now they've made they've made like a a follow up song to it, but I'm like that nothing beats the original. Nothing ever no. will. Like once you no, start remaking no. it or redoing it, it's like yeah okay cool, but the original is where it's at. All right, guys, I need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that I've been using for quite a while now. It's called Bull Elk Beard Oil. If you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors, whether it's on the mountain, in the marsh, or in the woods, you've felt the effects of the wind, the sun, and the cold on your face. What this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community, whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions, or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy, and he makes an amazing product. 
So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. Right. Yep. Yep. And then we, you know, we just end up driving around and you can, uh, usually the last weekend we'll do small pushes, but it's kind of hard because a lot of people don't drive anymore. No, they don't. A lot of people don't push anymore. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know when that big change happened, but I remember that was like, it seemed like in the middle of the week when everything was slowing down, you know, the deer would just get tucked away in some cover where they felt safe. And so then everybody yeah. would go and they'd do big deer drives. And, I mean, you're talking sometimes 40, 50 people involved in this. You know, oh, if yeah, it, yeah. especially if the corn was still standing or if it's thick timber, you know, you've got yeah. you've got your shooters out on the ends or on the corners and just a whole line of guys walking through to push any deer out but yeah i haven't i i think this last year actually i heard what sounded like a deer drive because of all the gunfire i mean you could really hear people letting loose but that's probably the uh-huh. only thing that i've heard or seen for quite a while uh people really? doing deer. i mean i i guess it's still been happening but just not as often i feel like Right. And not, a, not in the, in the size that it, you know, I, I remember all the neighbors banding together. We drove out a property one time and it had a bunch of fingers in it and I was standing up on the point of it. And I looked down and I had to do like a triple take because I'd never seen so many deer in one spot in my entire life. They had found themselves a little rabbit hole down there and they kicked them out. Holy smokes. They came <laughs> over that crest into safe shooting area. And it was like world war three, man. <laughs> yep. It was, it was nuts. I can't, I can't imagine like, I don't try to put myself in the mind of a deer very often, but like imagine just chilling in the spot you hang out at every single day, you know, like you're, you're in there, you take a nap every day at this time in the same spot or in the same general area. And then all of a sudden, you see 30 dudes in orange walking towards you and you're just like, Oh, this is weird. I better get out of here only to come across an ambush of even more dudes firing at you. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. Right. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, <laughs> I mean, I don't think deer think logically at all. I mean, I think it's all a hundred percent survival on their part, but I'm just like, right. that, yeah, that'd be kind of weird, man. That'd be real weird. Yeah. That'd definitely be uh, I guess, I guess if, um, if you could relay it to a, to a modern day zombie apocalypse type oh, of deal, yeah, and you yeah. woke up at the wrong spot and had to get moving. Like. <laughs> I bet, I bet that's kind of what it would be like. Um, so, so you guys deer hunt up there. What other types of hunting do you do there on the family farm? <clears throat> well, we do the nine day, the Orange Army. Um, we bow hunt and we do a lot of small game, rabbit hunting in the winter, uh, squirrel hunting in the fall. And then I've got an extremely soft spot for turkey hunting in the spring. All right. And uh, we do fishing and stuff too. But on on the home farm, it's for me, it's 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 a complete toss up between bow hunting and and turkey hunting. Man, it's dude. I get. I've been giving people extra time on the show lately to convince me that turkey hunting is that great. It's as great as people crack it up to be because. You don't, I mean, you find diehard bow hunters, right? 
you typically don't yeah. find a lot of like just a hundred percent diehard gun hunters. Like they'll do it. They grew up doing it. It's tradition, that type of deal. Yep. But, but when you get into the turkey hunting people, I mean, it, they are just so sold out. There's nothing better than it. Like that is the time of year that they absolutely live for. And, and that's fine. I mean, I'm glad that people are so passionate about stuff, but I'm the guy that's like, but is it really, is it really that good? It, yeah, it is. It is. It is, man. I mean, when you're getting up at 3.45 in the morning and you know that this bird is roosted here for the last four days, it's opening day, and there's a little bit of frost on the grass and you got to go plop your butt down next to a tree that you think is going to work out just fine. And then you you do a couple of tree yelps, maybe do a small fly down cackle, you know, just when it's light enough, obviously. And then You've got your hen and Jake sitting out there in the field, and all of a sudden you hear, like, it, it, I don't know. It's so comparable <laughs> to, like, an awesome semi flipping a Jake on. It's, it, I mean, it just, like, <laughs> dude, you are fired up, man. I see, and that's what I want. I want to feel that toward turkey hunting, but I just, I get excited. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, I'm looking forward to it. In fact, just to my right, I've got a bunch of stuff. I just got a new turkey decoy in. I've heard a lot of people talk about the uh, funky chicken. It's like the oh, real yeah, yeah. skinny one, and they're like, man, yeah. Tom's just hate it for some reason. And yeah. so I picked one of those up. I've got a new AVNX hen. Um, I got a new turkey vest. I've got a new shotgun. I got a new choke. I'm figuring out what ammo that choke and the shotgun combo like the best. And so, like, I'm gearing up. What kind of shotgun you got, Dan? Uh, it's a Benelli Super Black Eagle 3, 20 gauge. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I've I've used a Winchester Ranger pump 20 gauge for almost all my life. It does not okay. accept a choke. In fact, it's the same shotgun and same barrel that I used to shoot deer in the woods with with slugs through. I mean, it is oh, just hey, right like, on. There you go. yeah, I mean, I've shot every type of animal with this gun. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a new shotgun. I'll never get rid of the old one, but I said, I'm going to get a new one. See if I can't extend my range out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so all that to say, I say like, I talk crap on Turkey hunting. I do enjoy it. I go every year. I typically get a Turkey every year, but hearing about the different calls that you do, you know, getting patterning a Turkey and knowing what tree it's going to be in. Like, I feel like I would really get in on that type of thing, but I typically just go sit the same field every year because I know at some point the turkeys are going to come through there. I'll put, I'll put trail cameras out, but I feel like if I, if I could know where a turkey was roosted and get underneath that tree, like sneak in underneath that tree and wait for it to pitch down, like that would be pretty fun. I just have not, I have not successfully done that yet. Oh Oh, man. It ain't. Okay. So, (laughs) Here's the best way that I can compare it. Okay. You set up, you go out and you scout deer, right? You got your trail cameras, you do your scouting, you set your stands up, you, you know, you go through all that and you, and, and logistically by the evidence that you see with pictures and everything like that, you should have a good chance, especially if you're in a high traffic area for the rut. Okay. Turkeys don't do that. They can turn around and fly 200 yards to the right when they are supposed to come here. 
They, yeah. They've got a brain about the size of a pea, and I've been outsmarted by them buggers more times than not. <laughs> and that's why it's addictive. It's 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 stupid fun. You never know what they're going to do, when they're going to do it, and you can't base your success rate off of a decision of a turkey. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah. And I feel like um, if you can cover at least four bases for that turkey, at least allow for there to be six more because he will find a loophole in your plan somewhere. And it's just a giant chess game. And and I've heard of, you know, like uh, Michael Waddell has compared it to hunting elk out during the rut yeah you know it's just it's i don't know man there's something about run and gun and i i don't just hunt on the family farm i'll go out on public ground too and go back in them deep holes and stuff and and there's birds back in there and man there's nothing better sitting up on a ridge and then birds start gobbling up on a tree before light and you're like oh gosh <laughs> man i I can, I can see how it could get addicting in a hurry. I think maybe another part of the issue for me is that the turkeys here, like I've been able to kill them and I'm not good at calling. I'm not good at the logistics or planning it out. I don't know like, oh man, the turkey's going to be here at this time uh, with this, with this weather condition. I just don't understand turkeys well enough to be like a great, smart turkey hunter. What I do, I go sit out in the same field. If they come by me, great. Most of the time they don't, and I see them across the field, and I'll use the shadows, I'll use the cover, and I'll try to get out in front of them, and I'll just sit and wait until they get close enough. Like last year, I think it was either last year or the year before, man, I just I just went after them. Like yeah. I, they kept they kept crossing way up on onto the property, like way at a different spot than than I had been set up at, and one day they did it again. And I went up there after him looking for him. I'm like, they had to have come through here. Um, so I go in the woods and I'm just kind of creeping through the woods little by little. And I look way out in the bean field and they're on the other side of it, but they were working toward the woods. And so I probably moved 10 different times on that hunt and just used the shadows, got 50 yards inside the woods so they couldn't see me moving. And then I'd pop back out, find out where they were. And that, that seems to be how most of my hunts go. And so maybe it's that I give up on like the traditional method too soon and I just go after them and I'll do whatever it takes to kill one. Oh, dude, I love running gun style. I guess that's, 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 I, I can sit for a while, but I love moving and switching and, and, and becoming real variant with stuff because like you said, they, they don't stop and you don't know what they're going to do. And, and you have to be able to adapt at a moment's notice to try and get around them and get after them to where like, I mean, there, there are things that you can, you know, you can do to advance yourself. Like this year, I'm going to try, I've, I, I bought a Turkey fan yeah. and I'm going to try going right out into the field. I mean, I'm six, five, 245 pounds. So it's gotta be pretty big to hide behind. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're but, big, man. You can, you really can, especially if you have uh taller grass. Um, if the yeah. grass is up like to your shins or even to your knees, you can almost just crouch instead of crawl behind it and get pretty close. I've got one of those Turkey fans and I love it. Yeah. I'm that's, uh, that's going to be my goal. I'm going to, I'm going to scoop my butt across and I'm going to shoot one behind the fan. That's 
See, that's, that's going to be fun. I think that's going to be my next step. I obviously want it to happen the right way where they come into a gobble or you get set up in the right spot. You have, like, heavy action. They come to beat the crap out of your decoy right in front of you. Like, yeah. I want to experience that. But I think uh, one of my next deals is going to be getting the um, bow-mounted turkey decoy or the, oh, the yeah. silhouette. And I want to sh- I want to creep up on one like that and shoot one with my bow. If that oh. doesn't get me fired up for turkey hunting, I don't think anything ever will. Right, and then you just give me all your stuff, and we'll call it good. Yeah, well, I'll just pass it all over to you. Yeah, no, that turkey perfect. vest, man. And I'll show you what it looks like with I, it. <laughs> I will say, I will say, turkey hunters do a really good job of making awesome products for hunting. Like, yes, that turkey vest that I got is the one of the coolest pieces of hunting equipment that I've bought so far. I don't even know who makes it. It was on Amazon. It was like the Amazon's Choice or something like that. It had like 9,000 reviews, and it was at like four and a half stars. But this sucker has a the real thick, like, I mean, it's probably three-inch uh, flip-down seat. Um, and then nice. on top of that, the frame itself has legs that flip backwards, and you can push a pin and extend the legs to turn the whole vest into an actual chair. And I'm like, dude, uh, I'm going to use this thing for everything. I will use that yeah. if I'm sitting on the ground for deer season. I'm going to use it for coyote hunting. You name it. That thing's probably going to go with me a lot of different places this year. Right. That's handy, man. That's, that's I've just got a, a plain Jane seat and stuff. I don't set a whole lot, so I don't, you know. But yeah. yeah, that having a built-in chair like that, geez, you're you're riding around in a freaking Cadillac on your shoulders. I know, man. It was it was cool. I've always like my buddies have always had the nice turkey vest with all the perfect pockets, you know, for a slate call or a box call or whatever. And uh, most of them have had the flip-down cushions for their butt. And I'm like, man, th- those are cool. I would just wear like the leaf camo, and that was basically it. I'd carry everything out on my shoulders or in my hands. And finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to buckle because every year I get out there opening day with my buddy Brad and he's got all the equipment and I'm like, dang it, here I am like trying to just hold stuff like I'm carrying all the groceries inside. And I was like, (laughs) finally, I just need to get one. And so I did. And I love it, man. I'm super pumped. Hopefully I can make one, make it happen with one now. Oh, man, I hope so, too, because I mean, if you get so not last year, the year before I took my dad out and it was the last day of our season. And it was kind of the same scenario that I told you about. We had seen these birds strutting in this bean field three different mornings and I just could not figure out. It was always late. I mean, they were out there at 1045 in the morning. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, these birds were way roosted way back up in the woods. So we just went up on the edge. We actually walked, I got to his house. We had a cup of coffee. We kind of decided what we were going to do for a plan. We moseyed up the hill and we found a decent tree to sit by, set the decoys out. And I could hear them just hammering on the tree. I mean, they were, that you could definitely tell they were boss. So I started doing a couple of light yelps to them and stuff. And, and then it got light enough. The sun was cresting up. So I did a fly down cackle. And then all of a sudden here, I'm like, Oh, here they come. There was a logging road behind us, probably about 25 foot, and I could hear them. And I was like, oh, they're spitting and drumming. So I, I lean over to dad and I said, they're coming over here. He goes, okay. Well, to our right, they came out. There's a real thick brush pile right next to us, but they came out. It had to have been five feet away from us. 
I could hear their wings dragging on the leaves. My heart's pounding, I'm freaking <laughs> out. They come out around the corner and I hear my dad go, holy crap. <laughs> so this was dad's first bird, okay? So I'm like, dad, shut up. <laughs> They're right there. They came out to the decoy, started squaring up to him, started chest bumping him. And I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Well, they were kind of in line with each other like this, silhouetted with each other. Yeah. And so when they split up, I said, you ready to kill him? And he said, yeah. So I said, okay, one, two, three. And we boom, boom, we doubled up and we ended up getting both birds and Oh man, I was so wound up. I couldn't tell if I was coming or going or standing or sitting. I was, oh geez. And <laughs> that was, that was a good day. Oh that man, fun. that is awesome. I want, yeah, we doubled up, uh, this past year. That was the first time I've ever doubled up on birds. That was pretty sweet. Um, I've, man, I've had them spitting and drumming close by. I haven't had that. Like you can hear them right behind you moment. Typically if I, if I can hear them, they're out in front of me. Um, but I hear stories about that and I could see how that would get your heart racing, like sitting back up against a tree and you can hear them like right (laughs) behind you, but you can't see them. My buddy Brad had one that actually like bumped into him. He thought it was coming around the right side of the tree and he was just really, really slowly. I'm talking like, uh, like maybe one degree every second, just turning and trying to catch a glimpse of it. Cause he's like, dude, I heard it behind me. I thought it was going to come around the right and I'm sitting there like, man, did it get scared off? And he's like, just then I felt something brush against my shoulder and it scared the crap out of me. I jumped, the turkey took off and he's like, it was a freaking Tom. And he had come around the other side of the tree. And I'm like, man, see oh, all man. of that stuff. I could see it getting me fired up. And, and I just, I never grew up. Like I grew up watching the big buck videos, like you were talking about. I grew yeah. up watching falling feathers, all the duck hunting videos, like but guard, I mean, anybody that made a hunting video about waterfowl or deer, I've probably seen it. Turkey hunting, I just never, like, my family didn't turkey hunt, even though there's turkey out there. Like, we just never uh, got into it, so. Yeah, see, I actually never started, I, I never actually went hunting on my own. I went with my dad a couple times when I was younger. I actually, um, when H.S. Strutt used to have the VHS tape with the three mouth calls that you can buy, my dad couldn't use his mouth calls because they're, I mean, they, they're an acquired usage, I guess. Yeah. And I practice and practice and practice with them when I was a kid. And I always took people out. Like they'd want me to go call for them. And I just never had a desire. You know, I thought it was cool calling them in and that was it. And then, then I started going out and hunting them and I actually, you know, got to shoot one. And then I was like, yep, yeah, nope, okay. Take my money. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, the, well, hearing you talk about the different calls and stuff too, like when they, when they do a certain call, when they're coming out of the roost, dude, I know nothing about any of that. I know the very basic, like two calls and I don't know when I'm supposed to use them when I'm not, which is probably why they never actually come all the way into me to give me a shot. Um, but I use, I use visual more than anything, you know, like if I've got a decoy, uh, we used to sit on this fence row right by these hay bales and I would put a decoy out and I'd just kind of like reach out and spin it or my turkey fan. I'd give it a flash here and there so that it would catch their attention and then I'd hide it so that they couldn't see it anymore. Um, but as far as calls go, I'm just so uneducated. I don't know when to do it, 
what to do, for how long, um, what to do in response, whatever. I basically just do some chirps. It, every time they gobble, I'll I'll try to respond to something. That's all. That's yeah. about all I know. Oh man, it's so. Uh, we'll go. We'll go through a, a quick morning hunt. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's hope we get successful here. So we get up in the morning. We get out, and you hear a bird just hammering off the roost. I won't call to him. I won't, I won't do a yelp or, or anything like that to him. I'll use a crow call or an owl call, whichever one he's more responsive to, to get in position to him. And a lot of times you got to keep in mind, they want to fly down in a spot where they're going to be seen. A turkey always wants to be seen. He's going to try and take the high road. So that way all his girlfriends can come see him. So try to figure out where he's going to be. If you don't know, if you already know, then use your crow call to keep him up in the tree or keep knowing where he's at. And then sit down and start doing real light yelps. Once you get set up and you got a good spot, real light yelps. They're called tree yelps. Okay. And that that lets him know that the hens are hearing him and they're in the tree yet. And then when you then it starts getting lighter, they, they take forever. Like you know, when you're when you're when you're bow hunting or you're deer hunting. That first light comes around, there's deer moving. Yeah. I've seen numerous deer, like it's still almost blackout and they're walking underneath you. These birds don't get down like that. At least around here they don't. Yeah. And then um I'll do a I'll do a real quick fly down cackle. It's just a I don't know, if you if you YouTube it or whatever, you can hear them. when they fly out, they they cackle like crazy until they hit the ground and yep. and i do them short so that way it doesn't sound like they flew 200 yards away or 100 yards away you know what i mean yeah and then and then i'll just pretty much just purr and do a couple clucks to make it sound like they're feeding and then uh do a couple yelps and then once i know they're on the ground because you a lot of times if you can get close enough you can hear them yeah They'll, you'll hear them get out on the ground and stuff then you start pouring the coal to it you start doing some yelps start doing some cuts do some purrs and then eventually you'll get it flipped around to where the tom is responding to you you see in nature in nature the hens are supposed to go to the tom yeah so if you can get if you can get him to start gobbling you get him warmed up and you shut up on him you notice it'll take him about it'll take him under 10 seconds and he'll gobble again if you don't respond yeah make him gobble again and then start responding to him gobbling and then shut up again. That's just my technique. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them out there that people do, but that's just what I do. And they come in. Dude, so maybe I just need to get out and hunt with somebody who really knows what they're doing when it comes to turkey hunting. Because I feel like most of my buddies are in the same position as I am or maybe like a year or two ahead of me in in the sport because i i only started a few years ago and i haven't heard anybody that i've gone out and hunted with talk about all these different types of calls when to do it when not to um and so we basically just make a bunch of noise and hopefully they come in but like i said we still end up killing them but it's because we're going after them not necessarily because they're coming to us um so there's a lot that I'm going to have to look up on YouTube as far as calling goes and try to figure that out, figure out how to, how to work my calls the right way, get good at actually making the right noise. Um, what about decoys? What are you using for decoys? I use, so I actually went in halves with a buddy. We've got a, a Jake and a hen avian X decoy. Um, 
we put them out and that's the, I've just run a Jake and a hen set. Uh, Tom's I've had before, but it feels like after, you know, you get into Wisconsin's first and second season, they've been beat up a couple times. And for some reason the, the Tom's, they just, they, they see it and they'll either they'll hang up and display, you know, they'll stay out there 60, 70 yards and they'll display and they'll gobble and everything, or they'll see that Tom and then they'll book it the other way. Yeah. Um, so a Jake is, you know, inferior, he's, he's lower on the totem pole. And, and if you get, especially if you get two Toms coming in, there's, there's going to be a fight. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've done, I'm trying to think, I haven't had any like real good decoys. I had that real thin foam decoy that you buy at Walmart that everybody's had at some point or another. It moves really yeah. well in the wind, but it just looks like basically a gray Turkey, like an all gray Turkey. It's ugly as can be. And then I right. did get one of those um, feather light. <clears throat> I don't remember if that's the right name. Basically, it's the Flex tone? no, it's the inflatable one, and it's kind of shiny. It's like blowing up an inner tube for the pool. Oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's got a realistic yep. head, but the rest of it is basically just that plastic that's got the seam around it. You blow it up. Same type of deal. It moves really well in the wind. This year is the first year that I've actually got. I've got the feeder hen. Avian X. Um, uh-huh. I was between that and the breeder, but I feel like the grass where I hunt is typically too tall for that to even be useful at all. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like I said, I got that funky chicken by Flextone, and nice. And so that's it, man. Those are the those are the decoys I've got, and I just didn't know. Like with ducks, it's always a toss up. You could put six out and have a ton of birds come in. You might have to put a hundred and fifty out. And you have a ton come in. Right. Um, I, I I keep telling people I kind of want to try putting a big spread of turkey decoys out because typically when I see them in the field, there's a lot of them out there. And so I'm right. like, maybe that'll entice them to come over. Um, but I tell you what, do you do you come up to Wisconsin turkey hunting ever? I have not yet. I keep talking about it. I've got family up in the Manitowoc Two Rivers area, and my cousin Sam gets on birds like you wouldn't believe. I mean. Like he gets, I think they had 18 hunters last year, just people that he knows and takes out nice. and he got 17 of them Tom's. And so like he nice. does really well, but you have to put in for an application now, don't you? Like, I think I, he texted me not that long ago. Well, actually now I feel like it is quite a while ago. And he's like, did you put in for Turkey? And I'm like, no, when do I have to do it? And it, I had already missed the deadline for it. So, yeah. So it's, it's by December 10th, I believe you have to have your, is the deadline. You can apply, I believe it's in the fall, early fall, you can start your application. But basically all it is, is you put in for your preference season. Um, generally speaking around here, first and second go like hotcakes. Yeah. But then they have rollover seasons that you can take. So you could, you could buy in March, I think March 24th or so, they went on sale. Okay. And then you can just buy them over the counter. Oh, nice. When they go on sale. Yeah. The So the the application process is to lock in your early season. But you can buy them over the tag once those tags are claimed and leftovers go on sale. Okay. So, yeah, maybe maybe that's what I need to figure out is, is getting a tag, what season to put in for. Or, like, are there still tags available or do they sell out? 
Like when they right go, now, there's tags available. Yeah. Oh, there's, nice. I believe. I believe. Oh, I I guess. Uh, and then they were saying something. They switched something over to a bonus tag this year too. So I guess I don't really know. But I know in the past, for around this time, the the tail end seasons, you know, fifth and sixth, were always available. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to take a look at that because I know he's got people that are split up quite a bit between all the different seasons. Do you know? I just haven't looked into it, man. I really haven't. Well, do you know what the non-resident prices are for a turkey tag? I never left Wisconsin, Dan. That's not my <laughs> fault. I'm sorry. I'm the trader. You're not. <laughs> Yeah, right. I'll take you turkey hunting if you want to go, but man, yeah, I need to I need to check it out. I keep telling people I I'm offering turkey hunting down here. Like I said, we've got tons of them and I just suck at it, and so I'm like, dude, if you want to come down and teach me how to turkey hunt, you're welcome to come shoot one of the turkeys that are on the property. Uh I yeah, I just run and gun almost all the time. I'll put decoys out hoping that it's going to work out. It never does the way it's supposed to, and so I just chase them down and shoot them. I I, I say that. It, people are probably going to have the image in their head of me literally sprinting across a field blasting at birds. That's not what I mean by that. I just, <laughs> I just try to get ahead of them. Right, right. Well, we might have to remedy that situation. You're down in Missouri, so you've got – you have Easterns down there, don't you? Yep, we've got Easterns here. Uh, we've got the – the 18th um, through May 8th, that's our turkey season here. So, Oh, um, really? So you've got one season per One season, season. yep. One season, we can okay. shoot two birds. Uh, you just can't – you can't shoot two birds on the first week. I think that's the, the big stipulation. And then after that, you can shoot two birds on the same week. And I would have to look it up to know if you can actually – Maybe it's like the second half of season. You can even shoot two in the same day. I don't remember. I'd have to look up the, the regs oh, on that. Boy. Oh, boy. I know. Boy. I, I'm like, dude, that would be fun, man, to have them come in and stacked on top of each other and one shot drop two of them. I've oh. watched those videos, man. My goal, my goal this year is to actually fill both my turkey tags. I haven't done that yet. And I'm thinking that if I can get one with my shotgun, I'm going to switch over to my bow for the whole rest of season and try to get one with my bow. Oh, dude, that'd be phenomenal. So, if you, oh. I, uh, I say this like it's going to happen, dude. It's, who knows? Who knows what's going to pan out? But I need to get turkey broadheads. I don't even have, I don't even have the right tips for my, my arrows. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I never even thought of that. I mean, I haven't even, I, I've never I would shot guess one you could bow, still, so. I, I would guess I could still shoot one with my, I'm using Rage Hypodermics. I don't know why you couldn't. But I've also seen those I mean, guillotine tips where it lops their head off. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's straight medieval right there, buddy. It is. <laughs> I don't I don't see why you couldn't use a rage for a turkey broadhead. I mean, as long as you're hitting them in the vitals. Yeah. You know, you're hitting them at that wing crest. I don't see why it wouldn't. Uh, they're, they're, those are a two-inch cut diameter, aren't they? Yeah, I think mine are – yeah, I want to say mine are two-inch cut diameter. Okay, because I know like my Schwackers, they're a one-inch entry, and then they expand into a two. Oh, okay. So I think I think I think Rage is that's or are they two and a half? I don't think mine are two and a half. I think they're two inch. Um, okay. I'm pretty sure that's right. I haven't I haven't bought new broadheads. I don't think I bought them this year at all. I think I bought new 
nocturnals or lighted knocks. I bought off-brand ones on Amazon, but uh, yeah, I don't think I've I don't think I've bought broadheads recently. Nice. Typically, Dude, I, I get a Amazon lot of Amazon for hunting stuff. Oh, I know. It's the best. Yeah. Amaz- yeah, it's so handy and it's so quick to get to where you want to get and what you want to get. And I mean, if you have your mind set up or made up for what you want, it's that's aces. Amazon is just, it's so good. And knowing that there's something on its way, like I don't go to the store to buy most things anymore. Even yeah. if I know they have it, like Amazon's going to have a great deal on it. They're going to have a ton of reviews. They're going to have videos. Uh, they've got all the specs. As long as you actually read the fine print on it or like the the item description, you're going to know for sure that it's the one for you. But, dude, I'm telling you, I have – we have an Amazon addiction around my house. We've had a couple partnerships in the past where they pay in Amazon gift cards, and it's like, well, we can't pay our bills with that, which means it's just fun money. And, yeah, we buy crap <laughs> on Amazon all the time. Oh man! I wonder if we can I, be like my elite wish members list is like something. eight miles long too. <laughs> oh yeah, it really is. I'm like, dude, if oh, if someone gave me that's the problem though. If someone gave me like a million dollars, it'd be gone on Amazon like that fast. And yeah. and I always tell my wife, I'm like, all right, I think I've got everything I need. I think I've got everything I need until I go on Amazon and it's got like the suggested or people also bought where have you been my and, whole yeah life? <laughs> i'm like this is this is amazing and also i'm gonna be broke i am gonna be so broke right yeah they yep. they know how to market to me but dude i i had a ton of fun chatting and we are gonna have to get together whether you want to come down to missouri and turkey hunt i'll come up there and turkey hunt however we need to play that we need to get together and do it so i can see how it's supposed to happen and oh, dude, don't don't be setting me up like that because now <laughs> it's going to go right straight south. <laughs> I hope not, man. If it does come south, just pass by my house. Um, there we go. <laughs> we need to, uh, yeah, we need to get together and hunt. And, and definitely as, as you continue to elk hunt, man, um, maybe we'll have to link up out there out west sometime. Um, oh man, that sounds like a plan. I feel like all of my hunting progressions are leading more towards archery everything. Uh, I, I don't think I'll ever fully give up my second rifle season in Colorado, but uh, that's that's my next big move when it comes to elk hunting is trying to get one with a bow. And I just oh, want to I want to be in there when they're rutting hard, when they're upset, when they come into calls, or like right. when you can get up close and personal with them. Oh, that'd be sweet. Hey, let's let's make it happen, man. I got my bugle tubes in my mouth calls. Let's let's do it. Dude, I'm all about it. Well, hey, before we hop off the call, I want to give you a chance share with people where they can find you, where they can follow you, um, so that they, they can keep up and, and just see how good you are at whacking turkeys this spring. Oh man, if you want to follow me, I've got I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um I guess I don't even have, I don't even remember my handles for those platforms. I'll have to get a link ready for them or something. I was going to say, I'll throw it in the episode description as well. So people can just hop on there and and click your name and and follow along. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. We've only got a couple of weeks, man. The gobblers are going to be dropping. Hopefully. I mean, I've got a couple of people lined up to take out and, and get them out and see if we can get it happening. 
Well, dude, good luck. Keep me up to date on that. And, uh, yeah, man, next time I come up to Wisconsin, we'll have to get together and hopefully, like I said, get out on a hunt soon. Oh, for sure, man. Anytime you let me know, I'm game. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. I had an awesome time chatting with Ethan, and unfortunately, he did not fully convert me into a turkey hunter. I will say, though, the more people I talk to who are excited about turkey hunting, the more passionate I get about going out and chasing after them. But I feel like to fully catch that bug is going to be, it's going to take a big gobbler coming in and doing it the right way. So we'll see if that happens. I mean, turkey season is right around the corner. I'm super pumped. I can't wait to get out. I've got all of my gear just waiting, looking at me like, take me out. We want a turkey hunt. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys are getting out, enjoying the outdoors. Hopefully spring is upon you. I know that South Dakota, I think, no, it's North Dakota. They just got hit with like almost five feet of snow, which is crazy. I love the cold. I don't like getting, you know, 40 or 50 inches dumped on at the same time. But if you guys are out enjoying spring, good for you. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.